go. Here we are. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is the D Trout Spinners Podcast, and I am your host. Miles Fennell, what are you doing there, Gary Forrestal? <laughs> I saw it, it's a bit of an oasis. A bit of an oasis. Are you a fan of oasis? No, I don't like them. Mm. Don't like them. How you doing, mate? I do like them. Um, yeah, not bad. That's We've good got to hear. a lot to talk about this week. We do, so um, let's crack on. Let's start. Hang on, wait a let's minute. Start. Okay. On, let's start. Sorry, you go talk. Where talk are now. we? Yeah, all right, where are we? Oh, mate, we are in. Where are we? Sorry. Tilney. <laughs> I was we're trying to know Tilney where we are. We're in a, we're in a, we're Tilney in a Hall. Yeah. It's a spa in... In Hampshire. Hampshire. Now, I, I just want to point out... Preface Mars it. and I have never been to a spa. We, this is not the sort of place we go to. So we're not like... But this is a one-off. And the reason is because Miles is 30 oh. tomorrow. Let's not, let's not go on about that. Let's not so, go on about that. So, but that that's that's why we're here to celebrate that. We're here for two days. Are we Get, celebrating? Yes, we're getting a massage. <laughs> I'm getting a massage with hot stones. I'm getting a massage without hot stones. So. Well, that's the difference yeah. between you and I, isn't it? Mm. I prefer hot stones and you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So that's where we are. My, now, and what what's the podcast about? The podcast is about the Ricky Gervais shows. These aired from 2002 to 2005 on XFM, a self-styled alternative indie radio. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what number is it? Because you like to say the date and the time. That so the episode we are referring to uh, today, we're talking about September the 28th of 2002. In this episode, Carl was absent as Suzanne, his girlfriend, had taken him to the Canary Islands for his birthday. And in this episode, Claire Sturgis stands in for him as the producer. Do you know the thing I like, uh, and we're doing it, obviously we st- we started to do, we've loved these shows for years, Yeah. but just by complete coincidence, the exact week that Carl is taken away for his 30th birthday, I'm taking Mars away for his 30th <laughs> birthday. So it's, it, and that wasn't planned. And also, anything, so. she was his long-term girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, well I'm your long-term <laughs> suffering partner. <laughs> my, my long-term suffering partner of the female persuasion uh, it's left at home in London. I feel really bad about it now, and I didn't really think about it before. But now, I think it's actually quite a weird thing to go away with your best mates to a, a luxurious spa retreat. It's weird that you didn't think about it before, especially as I told you every single time that we discuss this. Trip, well, don't say that because makes you seem bad now. What about Kalina? Let's not mention her name. Well, you mentioned her. So. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about her name. Well, it doesn't matter. Friends. It's irrelevant. It's my, so can lavish. I just describe my surroundings? Because I actually booked in under Gary's name, uh, of which I can call the Penthouse Suite. The penthouse suite? No, it's it's the luxurious. I've got a, a massive bed uh, with lots of um, yeah. cushions and pillows. Yeah. Uh, two sinks. Don't know what I'm going to do with that. Don't need them. Didn't want them. Next waste, waste of a sink, I think. Can but... I can I describe to you how I arrived here this morning? Because you weren't there. We were arriving both to Hook separately, where we were then later... Because I come from Brighton, Mars comes from London. So yeah, that's just one of the many differences that makes us so. like great friends. Um, and Google Maps had told me it was a 30-minute walk. And, you know, eager to save a few pennies, MP, the old Mbizzle, the old MP. You don't, you're shaking your head. Yeah. Don't like it. Go on. <laughs> I walked through bramble and the mud and the dirt to get here with a suitcase and a bag 
uh, a, a tempe bag because I'm you know a fan of the environment, and that was full of aspal cider. Uh, I couldn't actually get here because it was really, really difficult. So I had to traverse, you know, swampland and marshland and, you know, really have to try and avoid puddles. And because I had crisp white trainers on as well, which I have now had to wipe down in the bath, the luxury bath that I paid 344 quid. His jeans and his trainers. But it is in the middle of nowhere. So what I did is what a normal person would do. I got a cab. You got a cab, yeah. Yeah. That's a very sensible option. Um, Gary, I want to talk to you. Um, You are talking to me. Yeah. (laughs) Carry on. Ricky Gervais recently performed at the uh, Golden Globes. uh, Uh, Yes, so we wanted to talk about this. Yeah. And this is now, so this is 2020. if you listen to this it in the was future, his sixth time, I believe, yeah. or fifth or sixth time, performing um, at the Golden yeah. Globes. And the first time was in actually two thousand and two. No, no I think two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. Yeah, yeah. Ten. Ten. Sorry, two thousand ten was the first time that he performed. We're terrible with days. God, we I can't remember. Seven I all the days between now. But yeah. Um, no, the first time was in two thousand and ten. And uh, did you watch the Golden Ghost? This is a podcast about Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant, and Carl Pilgerton. So it seems fair to like look look ahead, look behind of what what they've already been doing. I I watched yeah Ricky's. And what did yeah. you make of it? Um, what I thought about it was that it's 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 nuanced. Like so, what he said about the thing that he said about look, if you're a celebrity, you win an award. Come up here, thank thank whoever, thank you God, and fuck off. Right. So I am generally quite sympathetic to that to that particular point of view. I think I kind of watch award shows and think, yeah, that's fair enough. I'm totally I'm with him there. I'm with him. He said, Don't talk about politics, don't talk about culture. Thank you, thank you, friends, thank you, God, and fuck off. What my problem is, is that Ricky Gervais Actually, Ricky doesn't talk about politics. He he does not talk about politics. But m- there is no bigger commenter on culture than Ricky. Mm. Now, Ricky comments on culture. Now, what com- what what qualification does Ricky have other than being a celebrity? He doesn't have any. So it, it's very hypocritical in that sense. I I thought some of the jokes didn't really land. I thought it was they were quite pedestrian I jokes thought, as well. Yeah, the James Corden, but it it wasn't bad. It wasn't. I didn't listen to it and think that's the least. It probably out of all the god. If I sat and watched all the Golden Globes monologues, which I won't, but if I did, <laughs> can you? <laughs> no, but if I did, it'll probably be amongst the funniest because he he's generally funnier than most people who present the Golden Globes. However, I thought it's incredibly hypocritical mm. to sort of say. Don't comment on politics. Don't comment on culture. Now, I agree with that point of view. But Ricky comments on culture, not politics, but culture more than anyone. Culture and, and religion and aesthetics sort of in, in life. So that I, I disagreed with. Yeah, I, I think it's really hypocritical too. Obviously, everyone admits that, you know, awards are a, a total, you know, lump they're of shit. Like, they're, they're, they're a sham. But and Ricky calls it out, rightly, but un, unrightly. He's hypocritical because hmm. he comments on culture, just not at award ceremonies. Yeah, he doesn't do it. but then don't do it as well. Just don't do it if you want to separate yourself so much. Don't do it. Don't do the award ceremony. Yeah, then. but the thing is, I th- I think what was actually sort of sadder for me is just the fact that you know that he had such fun with it when he did it in two thousand and ten. 
and and this time it seemed like he was such a deeply cynical mm. person, and it, and he re- literally drowned the fun out of all of the all of, all of the the ceremony of it, and I just thought like. You, you you don't want to be here, and I just thought like, what? Why are you he there? He does then? want to be. He, he loves it, but I just think that yeah, I agree with you. He kind of dragged the fun out of it, and and I agree. Award ceremonies shouldn't just be this flowery thing of fun. That is what they are, really. And mm. he wants to disrupt that, and I agree with him wanting to disrupt it. It's just that sometimes he's not as funny as he was, and that's the thing about Ricky. He's kind of... Ricky is... And I'll just say, wherever we're saying about Ricky and the Golden Globes, Ricky is a hero of both of us. Yeah, yeah, Because of what he's done in the past. But it's just... Yeah, it's it's a shame, really. It's a shame that he's kind of... That cynical now. And that kind of... It it was like... It wasn't as funny as previous... It was funnier than most Golden Globes speeches. But I think he seems like such a different person now. Than, than he was because I I rewatched his speech from 2010 and I thought he was really having some fun with it you know obviously it was being a little bit cheeky because he just done the office and you know things are available on DVD and he was always like eager to plug it and stuff and it was really he did a thing with Steve Carell in the yeah and it, one, yeah. yeah it was so funny and but now it was just like oh the, here's a guy and he's like 56 however he old is however old he is now and he was just like. I just felt it was like a, I actually felt it was just darker and actually pretty mm, it's depressing. It's quite dark. And um, to emphasize this point, like um, I found this like a uh, Ricky Gervais. I identify as a Golden Globes bingo card online, and it was this little little cool little meme that someone had um put together. And I'll just read out a few of them and see what what you say, um, uh, Gary. Priest abuse joke about the two popes. We would have liked to have seen this, even if it's bad. Insults NBC because he's very rebellious. Points out that he insulted someone previously before introducing them or insulting them again. Reminds everyone that he is the Golden Globe. You all work for Netflix joke. I wish Charles Manson was here joke. Singles are Eddie Murphy because better comedian with better career joke. The Irishman is long joke. Implies actor with foreign sounding name might be deported joke. The no tie and unbuttered collared for fat neck if entirely <laughs> if entirely black suit take any another space free joke. Mm. Explains joke after telling it. He does that a lot, actually. A lot of the, the whole explaining a joke once he's told it. He didn't really do it earlier in his career. No, but he did do it this time. Yeah, 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 I agree. And I just... Oh, it just, oh and there's another one here. Warns audience that he is offensive. Yeah, that's a pretty standard sort of bingo card or drinking game. Someone might say drinking game, we have a shot every time he says this. But Blocks yeah. someone on Twitter whilst he's hosting or at least says social media is for losers. He's the bit, again, that's the thing, because he, he uses Twitter for his own ends. And, and also for a lot off. for his stand-up. And slags it off, yeah. So much of his stand-up is based around, like, Twitter. And I've listened to his stand-up now and I just cannot get on board with it because I just don't... I I do think he's like running on empty now. I do feel like he's like sort of not in the peak of his career as he once was pre extras. No, but I think it's a reflection of the fa- of um, what's the series he did with two Ricky fans here. <laughs> but um, it's a reflection of that because he wants to be seen as more serious. 
Now, he doesn't want to be seen... Like, that show was... It was supposed to be a comedy, that, loosely, that was a real emotional roller coaster. Like, mm. So he wants to be seen as something else. And that, that, that Golden Globes performance was a reflection of his show that he's just done, mm. uh, Afterlife. And That's so it. that that was that was I feel what it was reflecting. And he and he plugged that thing. like while sourcing it. But then it cuts to those little bits where he plugs it. I yeah, still, no, that's I don't, like, I don't that, mind I that. see that as like old Ricky, you know, mm-hmm. old Ricky, you know, being being mischievous. But you can't do that if you're going to do the whole serious route and slag off, you know, Apple and sweatshops. You know, no, of course you should you should dig at Apple for you know having sweatshops. It's and quite shit. tired like, to dig at Apple for having sweatshops. It's great. I agree. It's yeah, totally I agree. True. I agree. But, but it's, too. it's a bit tired in comedy wise. It's yeah. A bit, a bit, a bit I, don't, I don't know. I, I felt actually quite depressed after watching the whole thing. And I actually felt like, you know, because I, I do think celebrities have like the, you know, the outreach and, you know, to comment on social issues and stuff. And you should use that to your advantage because what bigger platform are you going to get than the Golden Globes to comment on these issues? And it's not saying, oh, these are the only people that are doing something or that, you know, you you should be seen to be doing something. But it's the fact that, yeah, these people, you know, they're just actors. They're doing their job. And yeah, they win an award. But it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you know, they're looking at environmental reasons. They're looking at, you know, social issues, wider inequality issues. And these people are people that people listen to, regardless of whether you like it or not. Obviously, politicians, people should, should these are the people that should enforce these things. But I am sympathetic to his viewpoint that when you're, when you're doing an acceptance speech, yeah, I, I know what he means. Thank you, God, and fuck off. Like, okay, so he's, he's anti right? so he's anti-religious. We know that, and I kind of, I subscribe to that point of view, but even if I didn't, like, okay, just, just thank you. Fuck off. Don't talk about col- politics or culture. I kind of agree with that because if you are a celebrity and you genuinely care about mm. politics, the politics of the states, politics of the UK, do it in a more progressive way. Like Danny DeVito just yeah. endorsed Bernie Sanders. He did a video on Bernie Sanders. Well. Like he didn't do it in a award show. He did it like at a right time when you're not promoting yourself. You're literally not promoting yourself. Whereas at an award show, you're kind of promoting yourself, whatever you do. So I'm, yeah. I subscribe to that. It's just that Ricky is the biggest commenter on culture in celebrity world. Mm. That there is, you know, so that that that's a bit. It just, I just find it depressing because he really was so was so alert and funny and cheeky and the original time when he does it, and this time it just didn't feel like that. Especially when it cut away to the audience and they just looked like, you know, there's a shot of Tom, Tom Hanks looking a bit shocked. They were kind of all laughing, but they're <laughs> laughing out. Of yeah. But it, did, yeah, but it didn't feel cheeky. It felt like just. Oh, it wasn't cheeky. It just felt like an attack. And to me, that just took all of the fun out of it. And I just I just couldn't get on board with it at all. And it just really, I don't know, it pissed me off, to be honest. But I, I think it's reflective of Afterlife as the way he wants to be now is like a much more serious person. Mm. But, you know, be that serious person, but don't criticise other people exactly. for having p- political or cultural opinions. Yeah. When you have very, very, very strong cultural opinions. Mm. That's my point. But from the Golden Globes to so a time when Rick Gervais was... When we loved him. When, when, when we did still love we him. Back in him. the XFM days. And today we are discussing 28th of September 2002. 
So this was an episode where Claire Sturgis sat in for Carl. Carl had been whisked away by his girlfriend to the Canary Islands. Canary Islands. Canary Islands. And now, the, hopefully people have listened to this podcast before. Maybe you haven't, maybe you have. But a lot of people who listen to this to who listened to Ricky Gervais' show on XFM and still listen, don't like the Claire Sturgis episodes. Yeah. I like them. What do you think? I love them. I think it really offers like a different uh, viewpoint on the dynamic between Ricky and Steve because, you know, you really do get a sense of how much Carl Pilkington <coughs> adds to those episodes. But Claire Sturgis, like exemplifies and exaggerates those differences and those, you know, the diff- the, just the difference between between their producing style but also between the relationship between Ricky and Steve because they are kind of playing the whole trying to impress a school schoolgirl on a, on a school trip card, you know. They are like two little naughty schoolboys who are trying I've to get one up on, on each that, other. Actually, yeah. and, it, and, it, and, it, and I love that about them because you really do see a different side to them, you know. Well, I think, I mean, it's not so much that they're not radically different at all, but one thing is that you we get a glimpse of what the show would have been like under any normal circumstances because Claire, you can, Claire's great but you can substitute Claire for any producer yep. that works in the industry. A 99 out of 100 producers you could... But it's just with Carl that it's so radically different in a great way. And we lo- I love the Carl episodes. But you see what their show would have been if Carl had never come along. Even if Claire hadn't come along. Claire is like a lot of producers. She has normal reactions to them, which is... She doesn't say that much. She laughs at what they say, which is normal. Carl never laughs. And it's a totally different dynamic. And I really like it. What I would say, though, is if every episode was with Claire, and it's nothing against Claire, but if every episode was with Claire, probably it wouldn't have become the hit. I probably wouldn't listen all day to 70 episodes in a row, which I've got in my iPod. Mm. You know, I wouldn't listen. But, however, having about three or four Claire episodes spread out amongst the series mm. actually is really good because you you get you get to see them differently and i one of the things i probably i thought when i was listening back to this is like particularly steve if you notice he's different he talks a lot faster he's a lot he's a lot more confident in this episode he's not i wouldn't say he's confident he's kind of he's kind of got that um that that kind of scope where he's you know where like everything you say like the end of your sentence is like a punchline. Like so, you do yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything, like you, your inclination, yeah. when you're saying the rhythm and, of your uh, speech. The rhythm. So and but also he speaks a lot faster. And definitely, I think Steve is trying to impress Claire. Another mm. thing, another thing I say was they discuss Steve's hair, and even Ricky says like, oh, <laughs> "You get that oh, cut, Gavin's." Oh, you, you, yeah. But first, apart from the cut, Gavin's, he says. Yeah, your hair looks good today. And clearly, Steve had done his hair, especially. Yeah. Now, then it, tra- oh, really? then, then, it, then it transpires that Steve had had a haircut the day before with Gavin, because they talk about that, and that's funny. But Steve had not only done his hair, he'd had a haircut the day before. 
He's far more exuberant. He's far more faster. So you think he's, do you think he's playing up he's to... He's absolutely trying to impress Claire like, the think? way you would at school. And your analogy at the beginning was good because I was thinking of that. You, you know where you, you kind of hang out with the, boy, with the lads at school when yeah. you're 13. But then a girl might join, you know, mm. for, for one day. A couple of girls. What's that thing of like when you sort of like naughtily like sort of punch her or like you try to get their attention? Yeah, you try, you try, you try to impress them. You might punch your mate. You might punch... That's kind of how I see Steve in this episode. Ricky, I love that, Ricky isn't so different. No, her. no, Ricky doesn't change. But I, I, I love that episode. I, I do particularly enjoy it when they're rimming Steve on, on his haircut because he goes, he was saying, now tell me how much it costs. I know you wouldn't. Because I know that you would never pay that. <laughs> and, I, and I love that about Ricky and Steve because you do get a sense that, I don't know, it's one of the few times where you really get a sense of their personality but, and like... And their relationship, because you know for a fact that you know, there's no bullshit there. <laughs> no, they have a very good relationship. And actually, it kind of, it probably comes across a bit more clearly in the Claire episodes than yeah. it does in the Carl episodes. But but having said that, it's not like, I would say this, the the, the differences we're, we're pointing out, they're not radical. They, they are... They're not radically different. To be fair to them, they don't change completely. Yeah, and I don't understand why people that are so vehemently against the Claire Sturgis episodes because on Reddit threads and on YouTube links and, and on comments I've read... Facebook. Yeah, and on Facebook, indeed. Like, I, I think people are really against these episodes. I'm like, I, I love these episodes. I think they're really great. I love I them. think they expose so many differences between, like, the, particularly between the dynamic between Steve and... And Ricky, and actually, I think it's a good thing the fact that you know they started out doing a show together, so it's good to see how they react when you know Carl isn't there. Because, and and at that same time, you realize how much Carl owned these shows, you know, particularly towards you know, as we approach you know the golden years, the golden years, sorry, of you know, Carl shows. Mm. And how, you know, how much he added to the shows? Well, yeah, but again, not at the detriment of Claire, because, I get, like, the way I see it, like, you you listen to a Claire episode and you think, under any normal circumstances, with Claire or a million other producers, that's what the show would have sounded like. And it's good, and it's interesting, but it's not the same. It's not the same as a yeah. Carl episode. And that's why I'd say, I love there being a few Claire episodes, mm. But if there were, if there were, I never skip a Claire episode. If I'm going in order, you have, I never what, skip a Claire Have you ever episode. skipped any episodes? Yes, I skipped the one with Ian Canfield. Why was that? I don't like it. I just, I, 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 just, I, I don't like it. I don't like, I don't particularly like him. I don't, I, I'm not, probably if I met him, I'd like him, but I don't particularly like the episode. I think I've listened to it in the past. So I'd need to listen to it again. It's I can't series quite three, episode eight, but, or something oh, was it? like that. Yeah, yeah, but I don't like them. But Claire... I'll tell you the good thing about Claire. Claire laughs at what they say. Now, the interesting thing about Carl, which is when you think about it, how weird is it that Ricky and Steve are two very funny guys, particularly Ricky, but Steve as well. Carl almost never laughs. Probably he has three laughs (laughs) in 70 episodes. That makes me think of you. I mean, you never laugh. I don't laugh very much. But isn't it interesting that kind of... That's what the show would have sounded like with any normal producer. They just Claire laughs, you know. They say they they're talking, and Claire laughs, and I really like yeah. that as a little. It's like 
It's like, you know, when you have a big meal and then you get like, if you go to a posh restaurant, which I don't, I never do, but I, <laughs> you have, today. One, I have probably once or twice in my life and they give you a little palate cleanser. It's just a bit of water. That's what yeah. a Claire episode is like. It just cleanses your palate. It's like, oh, that's, a, that's yeah. normal. I that's agree. normal, you know, I functioning. Agree. I like it because also when Ricky and Steve started, obviously there was no, there was no Carl or he may have been in the background, but I know that they had a relationship prior to this. Oh, well, so it's, it's really well. interesting to think like, you know, what Ricky would have been like to just hang out with, with, with Claire. Like, I just would love to have seen that behind closed doors. But actually Ricky is quite a hard person to work with. I, I imagine because obviously I've never worked with him, but he's, he's a bit harsh to claim. I, I think it might be the next one. So we, we we'll talk about the next one, but because there's two Claire episodes in a row. But, that we're going to discuss. Yeah, I know, I know. But I just, but he's kind of like, yeah, it is in the next one. So I, I won't tell it all, but he's a bit harsh to her. He kind of cuts her down a bit about how she didn't quite tell a story that they were going to talk about. Now, we won't talk about it on this mm. show, but tune in next week. <laughs> tune in next week. Uh, can I give you a bit of trivia on this episode, Gary? Yeah. Ricky and Steve would make jokey references Please. to Claire's smack addiction and subsequent thieving habit. This is due to the fact that in 1991, when she was 16, her pin- her picture was printed in an article in the Daily Telegraph about teenage smack fiends. Is that true? Yeah, apparently so. Where apparently it was this? a mistake, and it was a picture from a dancing competition that she'd won. I've done my research. Why do- why wouldn't they mention that? They are the exact. Yeah, but they do it all the time, don't they? When they no, they no, no, they do that, addiction. but they don't. You, you would, Ricky would say, "Oh yeah, like your wrong picture. Oh yeah, right. I'm sure it's the wrong picture. You'd be a dog." They do it so many times. No, though, but they, they don't say that particularly. No, I'm surprised. How did? Where did you find that out? That was a. Uh... Uh, just research. <laughs> That's Mars's prep there. Um, I'm also going to um, attach a clip. Uh, alongside uh, a link to this show that we're talking about, which you should 100% listen to because it's great, but also a, a clip of Claire Sturge's drug habits compilation. <laughs> yeah, that that is brilliant. Like, a bit of coked up. Is it what bit we, coked I think we're going to call the episode that. But um, it's an interesting episode other than that. There's 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 some good quotes in there as well. Gary, can do I you ask you... Do you have any favourite quotes? I do, actually. What are your favourite quotes, Miles? Oh, uh, let's do that now, shall we? Uh, so at number five, it's... Merchant. 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 Who are you called, Sad? <laughs> I just... I love that, because... Because <laughs> it's just like... Steve, I like the fact that Ricky, like, prefaces it by saying... Steve hates people being mean. He hates people being, and the fact that they didn't even get his name right, like they didn't in that article. uh, Oh yeah, (laughs) that's my favorite article in series one. The fact that Steve was like such an unknown figure, and it was made even worse by the fact they've probably got some Japanese caller calling and calling. Merchant, Merchant, Merchant. Well, I don't know if it's Japanese. Well, I don't think it could be. I like, I like when Ricky says because um, I, I think at first he says I haven't written this step down, but he said, um, um, "You think you think they'll annoy the neighbours? Maybe I want maybe them to I want annoy. Them to but annoy then neighbors. he says, you think I'm playing with fire? Maybe I like, I like getting get burned.' burned. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like he, he's so good at that kind of coming up with that little scenario, that whole scenario. Ricky's so good at just playing, playing Im- a character, improv- a character. Ca- character on spot and improv on spot. And these are the things that are missing. I think I actually think the thing that's missing from his Golden Globes from now and then is his sense of fun. 
He doesn't have fun anymore. No, he doesn't. He takes himself so seriously, and it's like he wants to be a political commentator. But he does. That, but you but can't don't, do that. Don't like, rally against political commentators when you want to be a cultural commentator. Yes, exactly. So, what's your fourth? Favorite? Fourth? No, he smoked a goat. <laughs> yeah, I love. Funny. I just that. I just like the fact that it just came out of nowhere, and I also was just imagining someone smoking a goat. I don't know why that was so funny yeah, to me. A, they talk about smoking a goat in later in the podcast episode. No, he well, smoked but... a goat. I just love it. And number three. Wait, wait. I've got my one. Oh, sorry. We're going to kind of interact. Oh, right, we're going to like, bounce off each other. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, well, like, when, um, uh, Steve goes, oh, Ricky goes, they what? Like Steve goes, they, <laughs> they, they won't let you do they what? They what? <laughs> they what? Like, hey, can you imagine? They what? Ricky, and Ricky is, Gervais. You're not Ricky Gervais is arrogance this part, at this point. But it's beautiful arrogance. Yeah. It's beautiful arrogance. Yeah, it's played, does it's it played so, well. so well. And number three, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, Steve, but I think you look like a freak with a cape on. Freak with a cape on. It's so <laughs> insulting. <laughs> I like, I love, I actually, I've listened to the episode multiple times. I'd never heard this until you I listened this me. time. So, it's when Steve says, he's talking about what catalogue, like the Argos catalogue. Yeah. You can get the Argos catalogue for free, but you can't get the the Herms catalogue or whatever it is. For, it's two pounds. And then he says, he says, there's lingerie in that one, <laughs> in the Argos <laughs> one. I could just totally imagine Steve going, can't you imagine Steve looking at over like, and fucking... <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but... Um, number, number two... He's a beggar on the beach of gold. Just look around there. And there's some money. Money. Talking about uh, Phil, Phil Collins. Collins. It's not Phil uh, Collins. Mike and Mechanic. I just, I, just like, I just like his... He's so sharp and witty when he wants to be. He's so funny. Yeah. I, I love... Because actually, this is an interesting quote. Because this is the first... I, and there's some money. This is the first of this character I've ever seen. I know Ricky did a little short of it that he's deleted since. But when he goes... You know he's bringing up Chris Moyles. Oh, <laughs> it's love. a golf, golfy, golf, golfy, golfy, golf, golf. He doesn't even <laughs> golf. like. That's the first of Derek. That's Derek. That's Derek. Ah, oh, that's Derek. I was, yeah. I was listening to, I was looking at some um, old uh, Reddit articles. Uh, welcome, Reddit fans, if you're if you're joining us from Reddit. Um, yeah, and. Um, and a lot of people, apparently, he's deleted, Ricky Gervais has deleted the Derek promo. Oh, he's deleted it. That's been years. Yeah. We've known that for years. I didn't know that. Yeah, he I didn't know that for for ages. And and it's funny because that shows how protective he is of that character. And, you know, it clearly wasn't a sincere representation of, you know, the whole, oh, I'll be, it's about um, simple people who are, you know... It it shows just how it's malicious. Because it it that could that Derek could always be considered as sweet or mm. malicious. Now his first outings of Derek are more they they could be considered malicious. I'm not saying like he. You're right. He's protective. He's not protective of Derek. He's protective of himself. Yes, like that's exactly. what he's. But yeah, so that's another. Uh, just one more I, I like, which is. Um, uh, Take where time, is it? Mate. Oh yeah, See, yeah. Where they're talking, it gets a bit boring. Actually, they're talking about Flegel and Snork, and it gets a bit like yeah, I don't I even know who they. That, but, but then later, Ricky goes, 
Um, they're talking about uh, wacky races or something. He goes, imagine if that guy from Wacky Races married Flegel. And, and Steve goes, are you thinking of weird stuff again? Yeah. <laughs> that's are you thinking of weird stuff again? And Ricky, because Steve knows what makes Ricky laugh. And that's, that's again, another thing about the relationship. Steve knows that line will make yeah. Ricky burst out with laughter. That, that's great. Um, and number one, my top quote of the, epi- of the episode in question is... I don't think Steve would be make it would be aware of the sort of money that I would. Oh yeah, it's just the fact we carved that it up early on. We carved it up, early. but it's the fact that it's he does that standard Ricky thing is where he does that sort of slur towards the end of a sentence was the sort of money that I would. Yeah, he does it because yeah. I just the slur in Ricky's voice is the thing that makes me love him all the time. Like I know, I know exactly what he's thinking. <laughs> I think it's bloody hilarious. Maybe I like getting burned. It's <laughs> a kind of a. Gary, can I just say, um, I once tweeted Claire Sturges back when I had a Twitter account, and she actually responded back to me. Mm. I responded. Yeah, you said. I, I asked her once about that the nudist story that we'll be discussing next week's episode. Um, and she got back to me, and she said that she remembered that that she remembered that story, and it still made her cringe. Yeah, and in sh- like a little production meeting on air. But yes, production meeting I, on air. Mars, o'clock. Mars and I have talked a lot about because since we started this podcast, obviously we'd like Ricky. Obviously we'd like him. Obviously we'd like Carl. Carl. Who else might we be able to get? Because those three are probably quite unavailable. Carl, I think, would do it. Steve, I think, would do it. But I think Claire would hopefully do this show. And if you're listening, Claire, before we've asked you, <laughs> please do it. Please. But I think, I, no, seriously, Claire, and a, a sort of a thing as we're wrapping up this Claire episode, Claire is a really good... She's, Claire sounds like a really good producer, a really good kind of... She's a good laugh. Mm. And she's good with Ricky and Sue because she laughs at what they say. Now, I'm imagine not... doing radio in the nineties as well, when like this was like an ex-pirate radio station. Later, yeah. like you know, an alternatively styled uh, sort of a station where you know it was a little bit naughty, a little bit you know, not avant-garde, but kind of a little bit <laughs> you know. But no, but but as naughty as the station was, and I love Ricky for this. He was naughtier. He was naughtier than any naughty radio station could ever be. And Ricky pushed the boundaries more than any presenter has pushed the mm. boundaries of any show I've ever known. Now, C- Carl, when he's doing that, I love, I absolutely love Carl. I'm addicted to the Carl episode. Phenomenon. The Carl phenomenon. But, but Claire has a normal reaction to that, which is laughing. Which and is I actually really in line with the re- audience re- reaction yeah, as well. Yeah, and it's very endearing. I really like the Claire episode. However, I would say, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to blow smoke up Claire's ass. She wouldn't I'd want love you to. That, but I would, but I, but I really like the Claire episodes. But if they were fifty of them in a row, yeah, I probably wouldn't be as addicted to shows. Nah. So she would be the first to admit that it's a Carl. Ep- she says on the second one, which I know I'm not going to mention that, but she says on the second one like oh you know she reads an email like, like she says oh you know you're funny you're not very you're, funny no <laughs> you're, you're good but you're not very funny when's Carl coming back and that's what we all think but having said that I re- there's a lot of value to the Carl to the Claire episodes whereas there isn't to the Ian Campbell yeah. episode that's my thoughts 
Gary, um, uh, in the... I, I wanted to talk to you about... Have you watched Sick of It? I've watched some of Sick of It, yeah, but what, not... What, what has your opinion been of it? Of the yeah, episodes that I you've seen? I think, I think one of the things... It's more... The interviews that I've seen a car give of it, where he is so... So clear to say, this is not a normal comedy. Yeah. Are valid. I think it's an interesting take. I think having the voice of your head... I think if... Put it this way. I think the whole concept of Sick of It... Carl Pilkington could do it better justice than any other human being mm. alive. It's just not necessarily something I'd sit down and watch six but episodes But you think, like, why row. hasn't someone done that before? Like a comedy where you hear the inner thoughts or the inner monologue... I, th- your... I think there have been, but I don't... But think... not done in this way. No, no. no and not also not... that it's the same person. Yeah. You, and not done it with... And you think else. of Carl Pilkington as well. He's the most truthful, like, honest version of himself. And I totally legit... Like, it's a legit, like, view of your your ego or your it or whatever it is that he's portraying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing about Carl. And there was an interview so you sent me of Carl. And, you know, the guy said... The thing about you, Carl, is, and it's so true, is we know what you think. Mate, yeah. we know what you think about everything because you're just honest. And that's the thing about Carl. He is really, really... Well, that's that's what came from, like... Childlike, an, yes. honest. But that's what, what, like, Ricky sort of honed in on when they did the whole idiot abroad, st- abroad thing and, you know, honed in on his inside self because... He was just reacting to the situation that he was put in, and by extension, you know, sick of it is is exactly that. Yeah, yeah. You know? And and the the idiot abroad stuff that he did with Warwick Davis. If you didn't know the um, XFM shows as we now, bear in mind, like about eighty five to ninety percent of people who watch um, an idiot abroad have never heard the XFM shows. Mm. So, but we know it's absolutely true. But th- for them, it must be a leap of faith to believe that this man genuinely believes all this mm. stuff. But wh- the stuff he says to Warwick Davis, you, you just wouldn't get away with that, most people. But he, j- it, but it's so honest, and it's honest. Yeah. And if I watched an idiot abroad, but I hadn't heard the XFM shows, I would think that's a setup. That guy is acting. But yeah. he's not. We know he's not. We know he's not. Well, he not talks acting. about him being like Henry the Hoover. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just, just brilliant. Like Henry the Hoover, you've got a little dwarf fella, and he's, saying, he's talking like a Henry the Hoover. He said, You can't say that. He's like, Yeah, but I can because it is actually annoying having to drag someone, which is, regardless of whether you're a dwarf or not. It would be very annoying if you no, if I so had to travel if I had to travel the world with someone who was so irritating. Look, there is not a better analogy to Warwick Davis coming on holiday to you than <laughs> I'm having to drag a Henry. <laughs> now I, I don't I'm not proud of that saying that I, I know it's wrong, but it's well, it's not wrong, but it's just it's it's a bit. But Carl is so honest, and it is he funny. is I love it. It is funny and sick of it. Yeah, is almost the ultimate extension of that. But, but sick, sick of it is so. It's so much better than anything that is better than Afterlife. It's better than uh, you know, anything Ricky Gervais so has done. you're saying it's better than anything Ricky and Steve have done since? Uh, I, I, I agree. Ex- yeah. Obviously, we Because both- I, th- I, think that, I think that Carl has the honesty and openness and the there's no arrogance, there's no sense of, you know, 
wanting to get further in his career. He's just writing what's in his head. Yeah. And he's literally writing what's in his head yeah, because I, I think the, it's better the than idea is so strong and so honest and simple that I think, you know, it's it's a very, very thought out, full idea. It doesn't matter that it's not as funny as he as it wants to be because he didn't want it to be funny. He wanted so, no, he and the fact of the matter is that, and now that it's in the second second series, Shane Meadows has come out and said, you know, he's a massive supporter of Carl. Shane Meadows of you know, this is England. Yeah, you know, Dead Man Shoes. That is 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 a very sort of prolific, you know, social realist guy, and he sees something in Carl, and apparently he wants to meet up with him. No, that's fucking huge. Well, in but... in his third episode, he go. He's the third, four, fourth episode of Sick of It. They go, they go to Manchester, and Carl confronts some of his like childhood friends, and it's really interesting because he he's got that sort of even like oh, I don't know that sort of it's so social realist. It's so it true and honest. It's it's almost like you know, um, I Daniel Blake. You know, Ken Loach cares. Kind of, you know, it's got but that feeling thing. of it. But we know, we know how real that is because we know the links with Kez and Carl and everything, the, the realism of Carl. Yeah, but he's life. got such maturity and film oh, taste and stuff. That's so clearly, like, this is what people don't understand about Carl is like, he's so educated in like culture and film and stuff like that. And I think people actually take that for granted—the fact that he's done all this shit. Well, I would since. say I wouldn't. I I would say I wouldn't say that Carl is educated in culture. I would say he has an amazing awareness of culture. Yeah. Because like Carl isn't educated in anything, and he would be the first to say that he is not like to history B, history D, or so whatever in Ian history. But he doesn't want to be educated, and that that's really admirable. He's not educated in culture. He's aware of culture. And when you're listening to the XFM shows, you're not getting that he's aware of culture, but you are getting how how comedically aware he is. And mm. if you're comedically aware, you can be aware in anything mm. because it's very it's a very difficult skill like to be comedically aware. Not com- not necessarily fun. You can tell the right joke at the right time. You can learn I'm that. But, wise. But, but commit no dead wood. But you can com- <laughs> you can be comedically aware, and actually, actually, that's what he is. He's comedically aware. Yeah. And sick of it. I agree with you. Shows he's culturally aware as well, but he's not necessarily educated in that, and he wouldn't want to be. That's the thing. He's aware without being educated, and that's really admirable. And I really like that in him. And you know, he's he's. Uh, along with Ricky and Steve, he's he's obviously a hero of, of of both of us. But I think probably out of everyone, Ricky, Steve, Carl, out of everything they're doing now, I quite like the stuff Steve's doing. Some of it, and the um, he's done a very good film with yeah, the, the fighting with my family. Well, also the um, probation. Oh yes, sitcom seems which really has good. got coming up. I am more excited for that than I was for our hundred percent. Like I and I think that. What as you said, we like the stuff Carl's doing more than ever. I will just clarify, just because people might not know us that well. We're not talking about the office here. The office is better than anything. It's better than sick of it. It's better than anything. But and we both think that. Mm. However, we're talking about since the office. What have they done? Yeah. They haven't done any podcast, and I don't even particularly like. And that's why we're we're not this this series that we're doing. 
we might comment, we might reference the podcasts, but we're not doing a podcast about the podcast. We're doing a podcast about the XFM shows because yeah. that's where it was most real. And it's not as real on the podcast. It is a bit more forced and it's a bit more fake. And that's all comes from Ricky. And, I, you know, Ricky's still a hero of mine, despite all that. But it is more forced. Whereas in the XFM shows, it's so sweet and it's so nice and it's and it's not forced yeah. at all. And Carl is a huge part of that. So is Ricky and Steve. It's a shame of what Ricky had become. But, you know, Carl still doing good work today. I agree with you. He's also done a few uh, sort of recent uh, podcast interviews, which I wanted to see. Um, I don't know if you've listened to them. I listened to part of one, yeah. Okay, cool. So he did one with uh, the, the Distraction Pieces podcast with uh, Scroobius Pip. And he also I did another one. one. It was called uh, the, the the Balance uh, Podcast. Mm. And basically, this I was obviously very, you know, eagerly eared listening towards anything geared around the XFM shows. These are things that I'm quite interested in. And um, it seems like, you know, they obviously mentioned the time when Ricky was so pissed off with, um, where Carl was so pissed off with Ricky that they left to go to, you know, Hastings. Well, they were going to Hastings anyway, but at that show, Ricky happened to be an absolute wanker. (laughs) He really was. What does he say about that? He didn't say anything about that, but he was talking about times where he was really, really pissed off with the show. But more interestingly than that, he came up with the fact that he said um, he got annoyed with Ricky when he commented and criticised on his role as a producer. Apparently he really touched nerve by um, sort of saying, you know, should you be doing that? Uh, You're a producer. You know, he he was really going in for him as a producer. Well, the thing Ricky sort of, sort of the, the sort of things Ricky would say is, "You're not a producer." Especially, in fact, Steve was more of this, like, uh, but he's not a producer, like the producer. But this is what Carl. This but is Carl what, didn't like that. You're yeah, saying. and and so, but but the, I don't have it to hand the the quote that I have from Carl, but it sounded like you know that was pretty hard hitting. You know, for for Carl, he said, "You know, you can criticize me on whatever you want." But do not criticise me on my role as a producer because this is what I do. And do you know, actually... Because can you imagine how frustrating it would, it would be, you know, if, you, if you're like, I don't know, a chef or whatever, and you're telling someone, you know, I don't know, how to flip a steak or whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but conversely, I would say that, that actually... That's one of the reasons I love the XFM shows because Ricky and Steve and Carl... They cross those lines and they made genuine criticisms. Like, and now you can look back on that and say that's bad of them, but actually, that's one of the reasons the shows are so great because it is very real. They genuinely criticise him mm. as a producer, and the fact that he genuinely doesn't like that is not hidden in the shows. Like, you wouldn't, I, I don't hear that and think. God, I'm surprised Carl was because that's the fit. That's a, the thing the guy said on the Balance podcast. He said. Well, we never we'd never think. God, I'm surprised Carl thinks that. Mm. God, Carl, Carl, Carl. When they criticise him as a producer, he's pissed off and he pushes back. And I love that in the shows. Actually, it's a real sweet moment of the shows that they kind of they don't they don't hold back on that. They it is genuine criticism, mm. and they're genuinely being real with each other. The fact that he's very angered by that, 
I would be too. Because one of the things about the show, the XFM shows, is that Carl is a really good producer. We've often said this between each other when we've just been talking over the phone or whatever. We said, like, the way Carl puts a record on just at the right moment. Yeah. It's not a punchline. So it's not as obvious as, like, you know, Les Dawson punchline that you just, oh, you put the record on then. He picks the right... Ricky just says something, or Steve says something, and Carl puts the record on. No, no, they don't plan it. They're not planning. Carl is really good at that. Mm. Steve and Ricky aren't as good at that, but Carl is really good at that, and Mm. he's fantastic as a producer. Now, he does have his flaws as a producer. Of course, like, he has his flaws as everyone has flaws, but the games he came up with are actually... As as bad as we might sort of joke that they are, they're legendary. Rockbusters is legendary. Carl in a film, the Carl in a film, the Carl in a film. The in many ways, that's precursor legendary. to you know, sick of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. Um, no, I, I just I just do imagine him because I do feel for him because imagine someone. It's okay to criticize someone on air because you know it's all joking and stuff, but. Someone literally criticising you on your editing ability or your ability to produce something, I would be fuming at yeah, that. Yeah, I think if they'd been very specific about, Carl, you've edited this in a shit way. Which is the quote that, I was, that I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, but I, they might have done that once or twice. Because Ricky said uh, in this quote that I'm referring to, in this uh, show that I'm referring to, he said, I wouldn't, can you edit that bit and that? And Carl said... And, no, this is what I do. This is what I do. I don't know. I don't recognise that quote from Ricky. No, no, this is from that interview. In the... No, no, but I'm saying you're talking about the XFM shows. No, I'm talking about the podcast the X... that I was talking about. Yeah, but I thought you were talking about the XFM show. He was quoting the XFM show, something Ricky had said to him on the XFM show. Oh, you're saying Ricky said that to him off air? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, that I wouldn't like because... Everything you say on air, you almost get a pass because it's it's part of the show. If you if Ricky had criticised him like that off air, I absolutely agree that Carl is within his rights to say who who the fuck are you? Because you can't produce. You can write, and you're you're a good comedian, but you can't produce. Mm. I can produce, so I agree with that. Yeah, um, Gary. Before we wrap up, um... can we wrap up now, please. <clears throat> yeah, guys? we can. Gonna wrap it up like the Christmas, <laughs> my birthday present that you haven't given me yet. I haven't wrapped it up, but I've got a, I've got. Doesn't a, matter, mate. I've got a three, I've got a three pound bag, a, a gift th- bag. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Is the bag more expensive than the gift? No, but no. it's close. Not bad, baby. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, Gary, in the episode, they talk about their first album that they purchased. What was your first album that you purchased? Back in the 90s, the mid-90s when it was. It was Michael Jackson. Was it really? Yeah. Bad? No. It wasn't an album. It was... um, Best of. 90s best of, baby. No, it's not a baby. It was a ballad by Michael Jackson. What? Can you you think of what it was? Because he didn't do that many ballads. Then my world, you know you did. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a kind of... Rocky Ballad. It was. Uh, uh, it can be. I can't, uh, I can't remember, but it was uh, Michael Jackson. Actually, another one. One of the first albums that I actually purchased with my own money was 
was Elton John Candle in the Wind Diana, oh, Diana version was it really every, yeah I, I was and walking. it seems to me that you lived, lived your, your life, life like, like a candle in the wind we'll have to pay for that oh shit we'll <laughs> yeah have to cut that <laughs> um, yeah Candle in the Wind Elton uh, John my, my first album was that was a single sorry that was yeah it was a single my first album was uh, The Best of Barry White no one see because I was quite a sentimental kind of guy very you know into love songs and uh, the no the, one to play them to what was he called the big black wars the big walrus I think oh the wars of think, love the wars of love I don't think <laughs> maybe cut that out <laughs> are you thinking you're flat mate again <laughs> what was he called the, the, the wars, wars of, of love, love. <laughs> I love how you do that again. <laughs> smooth Mars smooth Gary uh, we are near at the end towards uh, the D Trout Spinners podcast. Uh, as Got any we... final thoughts, Miles? <laughs> it really wears me out when you do that, Gary. No, As we like to end every episode, I like to add two tracks to the D Trout Spinners playlist. Uh, Gary, uh, this is a track that can be influenced by the shows or it can be influenced by your own personal uh, shows. Or uh, personality. What are you thinking? I'm thinking. I wanna. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This retreat. is something we'll be adding to Spotify, and you can subscribe now. Can you let me speak? Yeah. I'm. I'm thinking of an Oasis, but I want a, a nice Oasis B side. Um, yeah. Rocking chair by Oasis. What are your reasons for that? I think it's a lovely, wistful tune about how life could have been and should have been. And I yeah. love it for that. And what more of an important time than now when there's like stuff to be worried about and that? All right. Would you agree Do you want to hang on that? Sorry, <laughs> do you want to hang on that? My, my track is going to be something they did, they did play on the show. And I do think it's a fantastic song. And it's uh, Danger High Voltage by Electric Six. That really dates the show as well because... Claire's saying this is going to be the biggest song of 2003. Can you <laughs> imagine that? So, so long it makes though, me right? seem so old. And I'm going to be 30 tomorrow. And we'll come back to you tomorrow with another podcast. Well, it won't be tomorrow. It'll be next week. But tomorrow we're recording it. Yes, you got, you got to stay in sequence. Uh, I have been Mars Pennell. You've been, you've been a bit you've been a bit bit punchy today. Like Do you bit, think? Yeah, a bit. bit. What do you don't mean? cut this out. No, I'm not going to punch you Do not cut punch this bit out. out. Well, well, why do you think that? I think you've been a bit a bit high on life. Why? I'm excited. I'm with you in the spa. Why? I don't know why. I, I just said. I just... No, but I don't know why you've been like that. But I've been, I'm high on life because I'm excited. You're I'm with spa. you You're in, in the spa. spa. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's I'm great, on high spirits. You want to calm down. Never love. So we will turn. But you've still been great. You said, Mars, <laughs> Mars, Mars, mate, you've been great. Cheers, mate. I appreciate it. Have I and been? you've been, you've been, I actually think you've Fuck been. Fuck off. Ah, uh, let's slide down. Are a you going to try and say something now because I've just said that? No, I feel a bit bad now. I feel a bit, I'm going to. I've, go, I've done well. Go and have a meal? No, you've done well. You've done oh, well. Oh, cheers, man. Put um, your jeans on. Yeah. He's wearing shorts. I can almost see his bollocks. Fuck off! <laughs> 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 um, I've been Miles Pennell, and this has been my friend Gary Forrester. We've been presenting the Detroit Spinners podcast. Please do like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And I'll see you next week. Gary? Oh, see you later. God, he hates us so much. Yeah.